<laughs> We're excited to have our guests on today. You know, we love blending creativity and science, and he's the epitome of that. Literally. Embodies that by motion and movement. <laughs> Sound, motion, movement. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're looking to find out more information around blending creativity and the sciences together, namely the health industry and the creative industry, this conversation personifies that. Here's your dose of healthy infotainment. These are genuine conversations and real discussions for your health and vitality journey. I'm Chloe LeVray. I'm Alia Abdullah. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to The Continua, Continua Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Water, smoothie, something. <laughs> Shouts to August 08. Feels like summer, too. It does. It does. Uh, it feels like summer outside, too. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. That's exactly what I meant. It's oh, very it's- <laughs> hot. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. It's hot here in LA, if anyone knows. We are about 88 to, degrees out. Yeah, we are about to date this episode because it is Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> so it literally took me about 40 minutes. For, like it took 40, me 40 minutes. minutes. Yeah, it yeah. took me 50 minutes to get here, which is not normal. Hi, everybody. It's a vibrant day. <laughs> I don't have a a sip of the day, so it's just some good old H2O because of the heat outside. So I'll just kick it over to Chloe. Yes. Okay. So brought my drink. I created this protein shake, plant-based protein shake with pomegranate juice and chia seeds. So pomegranate juice, chia seeds, and was the reasoning for choosing that because of the health benefits of two of those things? Correct. Okay. Correct. Yes, I'm currently working with a dietitian. Shout out to Lauren Papanos. Yes, take a listen to her episode. Absolutely. <laughs> and these are really good for balancing my hormones. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so pomegranates and chia seeds for balancing hormones. Yeah. Dope. But for me specifically, though, so this okay. is not, I wouldn't call this a blanketed pro- protocol. Like yes. it's Chloe's protocol. Understood. So, yeah, for yeah. anyone listening, it is a very specific right, right. protocol. It could be for you. Get tested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yes, this is my friend Miguel Almario. We actually met through shout out to Movement Society. Dope, dope. Shout out to Movement guys. Society. You guys are doing great things in the movement community. And we just stayed connected. He's an amazing physical therapist. He goes about it a very like unconventional way where he brings his creativity into his practice. Thank you both for having me. Yes, Absolutely. we're excited to have you. First off, he started off as a b-boy. In the D.C. area. Shout out D.C. (laughs) And his specialties are hip-hop and street-style umbrella. Hip-hop has its own language, own techniques in the same way like uh, a studio style would have. Like ballet has its technique. Okay. Same way with hip-hop. And um, hip-hop dance has three different generations. So like breakdance was the first dance of Mm hip-hop. Breakdance Second was like hip hop freestyle. So uh, people like Buddha Stretch, he and a few others choreographed. Like if you remember the remember the time video. Oh yeah, the Jackson video. Yeah, so that's like kind of second wave, and then third wave, which is more new, is is uh, Light Feet. Um, oh, Light so, Feet. That one I've never heard of. Light Feet. Yeah. How, uh, what, been, how would you describe that? Very, it's hard. Groovy, <laughs> work heavy, a lot of like tricks, pretty dynamic, say rhythm based for sure. 
Okay. Very you, cool. You remember that song, uh, Chicken Noodle Soup? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That that beat that's like uh, the quintessential light feet. Okay. Got rhythm. it. Got it. Right. Okay. I'm such a visual person, so I will be YouTubing <laughs> all three styles. <laughs> so, Miguel, did you start in a dance studio or did you start just on your own with your friends, having a good time in the garage or out on the street? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, I started as a b-boy late high school. Okay. I think it was my senior year. So I didn't start dance till I, you know, later in life. Mm. Um, and it was with my younger brother who started dance before I did actually. And some of his friends started break dancing and we started, you know, going to each other's house and doing it in the basement or doing it in the hallway at school, you know, after school. So I wasn't introduced to the studio until sophomore year college, I think was wow. the first time I studio. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a journey <laughs> with, with dance for sure. Yeah. Wow, sophomore year of college. So I feel like there's hope for me yet. <laughs> there could be. Yeah, there definitely could be. It's never too late. It I isn't. always think it is too late. It's really not, honestly. Oh, oh that's that's great to hear. That's great to hear. I, I actually, from, from the dancer community, I appreciate stories like that. I did grow mm. up in the studio or in the dance studio. And I realized, like, I, I had the most fun in the different studios that were more about just emotion and feeling and coming out and having a good time, not necessarily competition, have to hit this thing, have to be seen, trying to get booked. Like that's, it's, it's a lot of pressure and it changes what the experience is. Mm, I see you nodding. Even in, even in the um, street style world. So street style, popping, walking, Mm -hmm. house dance, other styles that fall under the umbrella of, because those are very separate from hip hop. Hip hop falls under a street style. Not everything street style dance is under the umbrella of hip hop. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Did you experiment with any other styles of dance? I have two teachers who are my primary popping teachers. Okay. I uh, have a few who are my primary like house dance teachers and a few who are my hip hop teachers. I like being able to weave in and out of those things rather than just like defined by one. But I love that. that. Yeah. No one wants to be defined by one. One thing. Soul thing. <laughs> yeah. Which brings me to <laughs> physical therapy. When, mm. when did that, when did that come about? Because we've, we've talked about you being a B-boy and dance being the majority thing in your life. Where, where did physical therapy come into the play? A little back context. My parents are both physicians. Oh, okay. Okay. And two of my younger brothers are in medical school. And so I come from that, you know, that's like a family, family. of doctors. Yeah, right, right, right. And so a few years into my trying to work as a professional dancer in Los Angeles, like the 2010, 2011 era. Good times. <laughs> good, good times. Yeah, that was the uh, right pre pre Instagram or like the very beginning of Instagram. Very beginning. Very beginning. Right? Very yeah. beginning. Yeah, I think very beginning. Very strong YouTube presence. Make your own reel on iMovie and then post it on. Like here are my credits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was it. that was the YouTube era. 
And so doing that, I realized I was doing so much training for dance. I didn't really enjoy it, you know, and, and part of it was I didn't really have a lot of good mentorship, nor did I think it, it's no one's fault. I'm just saying I didn't know to seek those things out. Right. Mm-hmm. I had no one, no understanding of how the industry, the dance industry worked. And so because of that, I did a lot of, I felt like I was just like spinning my wheels. What am I doing all this training for? It's not really getting me anywhere, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, I need to do something. I need to have a career. I was working at uh, a sports authority, rest in peace at the time. Y'all remember <laughs> <For real>. those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sports authority. Yeah. yeah. Rivaled with sports chalet. That's right. I was working <laughs> at a sports authority. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. What a While I was like doing auditions and taking classes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what is the thing that's going to allow me to still use movement as a vehicle to pursue a career? And PT was one of those things that kind of like jumped out to me. And so after LA, I moved back home, back to the Maryland area to do some like prereqs for for PT school and to do the whole application process. And I was shadowing different physical therapists Mm -hmm. just to get the experience. What is this something I really want to do? And that's what led me down that path. Okay. Like a good marriage of being able to still coach movement, so to speak, like help people move, right. Using the expertise of uh, I've done that for so many years with, with teaching dance and how can I continue that instead of just jumping into a completely unrelated field? You know, it's like, I have this knowledge already. How can I use that to my advantage? And in college, I would say I, I hurt my left knee doing some spin. And thinking back, if I can like retroactively diagnose myself, <laughs> I, think, I think it was like a meniscus injury because it was like a spinning thing. Oh, yeah. And it hurt to fully extent fully straighten my leg and I, I didn't know what rehab was back in the you know what i mean it's kind of was like oh i'm not stretching enough that's that's what we think oh i didn't warm up well enough right, or like right. yeah not understanding that you know my body's just not strong enough to handle the things i'm trying to do with it mm-hmm. and i didn't know what training was i didn't know what rehab is i had no understanding i'm just like oh i'm just not stretching <laughs> not flexible enough and i didn't warm up absolutely so you feel you feel that your physical therapy practice really spills into you being able to be prehabilitative for your body and for dance. Chloe's buzzword. Yeah, pre pre prehabilitate. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that before, but I I, I dig it. <laughs> I will be TMing this. <laughs> better trademark. Yeah. Um, I definitely. I think um, I'm able to do things now that I wasn't like a decade ago with so much more ease just because I know how I understand that any activity dance included, is just demanding on your body, a stress on your body. And if you know how to train to make that stress easier, like training, training is a controlled stress, right? And if your body adapts to that controlled stress, then without the weights, everything's just more free, so much more easy. And that's how I look at things now. I don't look at it in terms of, you know, just raw strength or or muscle mass for the sake of aesthetics. Would you say it's more specified type of training? Let's say, for example, if I if I think back in the day of when I was on the dance team, I thought of my dance training and 
fitness training is exclusive. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to the gym doing exercises that would help me. Yeah, Yeah. that would help me with dance. I didn't have that level of understanding at that Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And I can only imagine how much pain I probably could have saved myself (laughs) (laughs) if I had that level of understanding or if I was taught to look at training that way. Yeah. Yeah. When I moved back home to Maryland after LA and I was learning more about the body and wanting to go to PT school, I became a gym rat. So I stopped dancing for like a year and I got super swole. All I did was lift and I was like (laughs) squat bench deadlift. I'm not, no shade to anybody, but like the gym was my personality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was a very nice way of saying that. The gym was my personality. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think everybody has a phase of that. You know what I mean? When you start getting into exercise, you go through that phase of, this is who I am. Now. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> like, it consumes everything about you. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was fun. And then, and then I wanted to get back into dance and I realized, oh shoot, I've just been really just crushing my body. And now I don't, dance feels foreign. I feel more limited in what I'm able to do. Just because I, I was, I didn't know. I thought it was, just, I was just putting muscle on and getting numbers up. But you can have goals that are aesthetic. That's totally fine. You can have goals that are to get your bench squat deadlift up if, if that um, is something you want. But it can also make you more powerful when you go to a rehearsal or you have a performance or if you're just the everyday person and you feel limited in class, like you're, you know, your knees hurt. You're not used to all the, the bouncing and rocking that a class puts you through because, you know, you go from your desk and then you go to class and, and you're just not ready for it. Mm-hmm. And your body's telling you, you got to give me something more than just, just the dance class. Right. So I see it as they can complement each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's beautiful that you're saying that, Miguel, you probably might think the same thing. In the past, dance wasn't really viewed as a sport. A sport. It was, oh, it's just creative and it's just an expression of emotion and feeling and music coming on and not really thinking about, well, yeah, that's a lot of stress on the body, hence my knees not being that great. (laughs) At the time, I really didn't view my dance studio practice or any of that as a sport. I even thought when I was doing gymnastics and dance that gymnastics was the sport mm. and dance was not. Dance was yeah. just your hobby. Yeah, like your dance was little... just my hobby. Yeah. I think a lot of them think that resistance training is going to make me bulky and I'm going to get tight and I'm not going to be flexible. Not if you program it right. Not if right. you know who you're Specific program. Specificity. <laughs> Yes, that's, that's, that's is the key word here. <laughs> I kind of think about it in relation to sprinting as well. If you want to sprint faster, you got to work in the gym as well. You can't just practice sprinting. And I mean, yeah, you'll get faster, definitely. But lifting in the gym and doing power movements in the gym will translate to sprinting faster. So, and I kind of think of de- like dance and sprinting. Like, I, I feel like dance is like just a multi-directional version of sprinting. <laughs> I wanted to talk about something that I actually saw on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Having your creative side and your physical side, it is really relevant to what we're talking about. Mm. So we were talking about dance and, you know, training in the gym not being exclu- exclusively... Mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive. Thank I got you. you. <laughs> 
But that's physically. I want to talk about the mental part of that too. I don't believe in the separation or compartmentalization of who we are. I tried that once. It sucked. Miguel the PT and Miguel the dancer are not two separate entities. Sharing one facet of who I am does not diminish the other. I had to bring that up today Mm -hmm. because (coughs) that is exactly what we're talking about. And I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit more about that. I know, at least personally, I always felt like I had to suppress my creative side being in the industry that I'm in because it's almost viewed as what does that have to do with training? What does your creativity have to do with the science? For me, I literally felt like I was missing a piece of myself because I wasn't able to express that on an everyday basis. Yeah. I, I, I have to speak on it through like storytelling. Yeah, right? oh, we love it. We love Please that. do. Yeah. So when I was living in LA, I was working at a PT company. It's kind of like a startup. And this isn't about them per se, more so about the mindset. So I really suppressed the, the whole dance side of me and went like full on. I'm about this work mode. I quit the dance team that I was on to give more time to helping build the business and getting to know more about how a business like that works, physical therapy, you know, out of, out of pocket expense, mm-hmm. uh, all the things that surround how a business is run. And, you know, when you are suppressing part of yourself or you're not, you don't feel like you are. No, I don't say aloud because no one ever told me, no, don't do those things. That was definitely self. I chose to do that. Right. right but, but it's a perception thing, though. Right. Especially if there's so much energy around it and, and everyone's so hype about work all the time. It's always the grind mentality can, again, that can become your personality. For me, I realized because I suppressed that creative side, I felt like I couldn't fully be who I really am. And again, that is hindsight. It came out in uh, not very healthy ways. If I had a slower day at the clinic, I would be like, I don't know who I am anymore. Am I, am I a bad therapist? I I don't know if it's, is anything worth it? I don't know what I'm doing. Or you, you lose yourself because you're not being yourself. Right. You know? And that feeling permeates into other parts of your life because you're not fulfilled at work. You've turned work into your identity and it's not doing as well as you wanted to. That feeling of not having worth mm-hmm. spills other parts of your life. Did you doing- feel like there was a lot of pressure to conform to a certain type of stigma as a healthcare practitioner? I think it's two things. It was, yes, I want to be taken seriously as a healthcare practitioner. I should present myself a certain way, which is ironically inauthentic, right? <laughs> uh, number two, the company and about the business and we're trying to be excited and right, right. thing comes secondary to that. When all your conversations always revolve around the one thing, it's hard to separate that from the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, the culture. Yeah. Your environment shapes so much of your thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, you know, you feel like you you want to belong, 
And that sense of belonging is something I have to own, right? So I had, those are ultimately my decisions. I haven't worked in the fitness industry as a coach per se. And I want to say what I'm noticing, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, is I think the intensity that comes with work, I can understand that from my experience in the corporate world. And I just translated that over from being an athlete, but it's heightened because you guys are working physically, where you're also physically kind of embodying that mindset too. Mm. It seems like you're personifying it in a different way where it seems intense. I, I would definitely agree. I think as as much as we don't want to say that people, clients seek you out because of your physical appearance, it's hard to not say that. You know, would you say piggybacking off of what Chloe was saying around clients, the moment that you embraced Miguel, the physical therapist and Miguel, the dancer together, that the type of clients that you were working with started to change? Oh, absolutely. I started working with just the type of people I want to work with. Mm-hmm. It becomes less about, well, I'll just treat anybody. I'll just work with anybody. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can. But, but, you know, we're offering a service. And we're in offering that service, we're working with people. And as humans, we'll gravitate towards certain people that we like, we enjoy working with, right? And I think you can only get to that point when you are authentically yourself. Mm-hmm. Because people will self-select all the time, no matter how much marketing you do. People always self-select, like, I like what this person's about. I'm going to go with that person, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think just being, um, comfortable with sharing who I am as a whole, I've seen more people just, I've had to do less marketing so to speak, right? And people are just now genuinely curious, like, hey, can you help? I have to have this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm They're just now coming to you, right? What's the saying? Like, if you're for everybody, you're for, for nobody. nobody. Yeah. Nobody. I think I've probably said that to you a couple probably, of times. Yeah. yeah. Mar- Marketing-wise, yeah. The moment you're marketing to everyone, you're not marketing to anybody. Right. Oh. Right. So you might as well just be you mm-hmm. and people will gravitate towards that. Whoever's supposed to gravitate towards that will. Yeah. I think it's such a beautiful thing, too, during this time that we're talking about this. I'm glad, Chloe, that you brought up social media and you're Mm -hmm. also bringing up social media as well. Just showing up authentically. We're all multifaceted in the things that we're doing. And the more that you're authentic to yourself, the more you're going to attract, whether it's the clients, the business, the connections, the relationships, the more you're going to get the authentic nature of that. Because to your point, you're going to self-select anyway. So you might as well self-select yourself wholly and then Mm -hmm. you'll get the people who are self-selecting you because who you are Mm -hmm. genuinely, Mm -hmm. which is pretty dope. I like it. I think some things I wish I knew like (laughs) 10 years ago. You know what I mean? I mean, we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. Um, I wanted to talk about the, I don't know how, how, how do you pronounce it? The Arat, the Arit? Arete? Arete. Arete. Yeah. Arete project. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So that is a brainchild of my wife and I. We teach classes together. And so again, context, Arete is, is a Greek word. Supposed, uh, it's supposed to mean um, personal excellence or like mm. being the best version of you. And Love it's that. typically attributed to athletes, but 
especially in the dance world now, there's a lot of miseducation at worst and just incomplete education at best. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who have been um, unintentionally hurt by the nature of how dance is here in the States. It's very, you're either dancing to be a backup dancer or dancing for work. There's so many dance teams that have had leaders who are unequipped to lead at the time. So they unintentionally hurt people mm. right, with their leadership. You know, hell weeks where it's like, we're just going to practice until 2 a.m. every night. And so what we're trying to do is really um, take it out, take dance outside of just like, here's a bit, a bit of choreography. And now thanks for coming to my Zumba class, which is what a lot of dance is nowadays. It's, it's turned into just learn the sequence and go. But it doesn't really empower anybody to understand their own body, understand the cultural and historical context between the dances that they're doing, which is what we're big on. And it doesn't really educate them past. I'm just learning a, a little some cute steps and I post it on Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and dance is so much more than that. It, it really is, especially the dances that I have learned and participated in are all black American dance. Really, at the end, that's that's what a lot, even a lot of popular dance is nowadays. K-pop, where do you think that they got their whole swag from? <laughs> we know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean. And, well and aware. <laughs> and I see that and I'm like, people just didn't your teachers just didn't teach you because maybe they didn't know. And so what we're trying to do is be holistic in our approach to dance. So we're, we're, we have, we're teaching classes for beginners, people who are just like everyday people that want to get to know their bodies better who are new to dance, who going into your everyday dance class is intimidating because they're, they're like, you want me to follow along? I don't even know what you're doing a lot of the time. Um, and this is class, okay? It's super, and you're going to pull out a, a camera to record me at the end? Bro, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> so we have that. We're teaching, you know, and then more intermediate advanced for people who are ready for that sort of thing. But every time we always bring it back to what are you learning? Who are the people that started this dance? Where is it from? It's not divorced from the culture, mm. divorced from the people. Snaps. Mm, right? Yeah. Oh, I was literally. Yeah, I was like, can can we can you Ooh, hear my snaps on my this? Gosh. <laughs> yes, yes, that's, yes. That's such a that's such a beautiful perspective. Mm. A beautiful perspective mm. and beautiful foundation that you're setting. I really want to shout that out and how important that is, especially with dance culture, because I think dance culture has really evolved and changed as a result of social media, where there's more intensity of like, let me just learn this thing so I can look good. Mm. And I love that you're bringing it back to people connecting with their bodies because there's a lot of disconnect between one, like even the, the song and the choreography. Right, like, right, yeah, because right, right. I was explaining to Chloe, like, I love dancing to different songs because to me, that's my way of being able to express different emotions. I may not be able to articulate comfortably in that moment. And I've redeveloped a relationship to dance that way. But I definitely did have a period of time where it was all about like, churn and burn, put it out. I mean, I would have 20, 30 different dances choreography in my head at one time. I don't, can't do that now. But, (laughs) 
but but I think I think it's a beautiful thing that you're like you're saying it's the the culture around it. Where did this originate from? Who does this training or tracing back to? What is the evolution of again like you're talking about popping, locking, b-boying? Yeah. Like there's so many different things that have made their way over into dances that are popular now. But what about the origins of of where where they're from? It gets back to the drums and the percussions and oh the type gosh, of yeah. songs, the 808s where you're like, you hear a song, you know, you're not in your head. You hear a song and you're like, I know exactly what type <laughs> of movements I would be doing to this. Yeah. And it should, right? I think music and movement, especially street styles, hip hop, Black American dance is not, the technique isn't separate from the uh, music. It's not like studio dance. You go to a, a ballet, you just go to the bar. I like, then, you know, and they have their technique, which isn't necessarily, you're not, you're dancing with the music, not necessarily to the music. Right, right. The music right. Doesn't inform your movement in the same way that it does with street styles and hip hop. You know, when it comes to that, the music and the movement are here. You can't separate them. And the music comes from somewhere. It's not just produce. You know, uh, popular right. popular music is largely draws from. We know where where popular music draws its cool from. Yes, we do. Yeah. Certain demographic people that people don't want to acknowledge, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What month are we in? It's, it's like those who shall is, not be named. It is Black History Month. Of course. It is. Right. Let's talk about that real quick, Absolutely. right? So, I mean, not to like, it's hard, it's hard not to take the conversation there because that's really where the dance is from. That's where I get all my aesthetic for. I have to, I owe that to Black Americans, the people who made these dances of people where these cultures are from, right? We have some, because we live in Seattle, there's a lot of tech up here. And with tech, we have a lot of students who are from, from China or from India because they're, they're developers come here. They, they, they work at the tech companies and, you know, they really help those tech companies bring up because they're very educated people. They know what the hell they're doing and they love dance. So what we bring up to them to try and, highlight this cultural aspect is okay how do you feel about what western culture did to yoga that's deep Facts. oh my gosh yeah. that is deep yeah even change even from changing the names of right. the movements i'm like but you don't like it when this group does something to your culture but what you're not understanding is you are doing that to somebody else's culture and then people are like, oh, people aren't ready for that conversation a lot right. of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into this just good vibes only sort of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have chills right now. Awkward, yeah. Such a no great one, conversation. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss for most people. 100%. You so know, it's if you bring it to their attention, now they have to think about it and have to even yeah. maybe do something about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I've wrapped my identity around dance. No, it's not dance. It's someone else's culture that you've done. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. 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 Honestly, <laughs> I'm I'm so I'm so moved by this conversation. Same. No pun intended, but I said it. Uh, <laughs> um, I got you. <laughs> it just came out. Um, it it all starts with conversation, and it's especially important for for non Black people to be having this conversation, and so you know. Like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, for, for putting yourself out there and for creating the Arete project. Yeah. And, 
and educating people. Let me know how I can support down yeah. here in LA. I mean, I know you're up in Seattle, but if you ever want to have yeah. some sort of like showcase down here, yeah, <laughs> full support. I got to give a big shout out to Nisi, my wife, because the, the the name is her brainchild. Mm. And shout like, out to Nisi, large, large, large part of her, um, of of it can only run because of her, you know. And so, I think I think what we're trying to do is really give back because a lot of what we, a lot of who we are is based on that, right? And okay, it's 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 our way to help solve the problem. It's it's one thing just to identify the problem. Yes, we understand that these things are happening. But okay, how can we not just complain about it? How can we do something not- about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So that that for us is like um, empowering people, educating people, um, equipping them with the knowledge. Yeah. So that the next generation knows better. Mm-hmm. It's hard to affect people who are already in it, right? Because mm-hmm. right? they've, they've, and to a point, it's like you, you don't, you're just like screaming at a wall, you know? How do you, how do you take the next step? Is okay. Again, people will self-select. They like what you're about, and then bringing up the next gen so that they know better. And and one person will tell somebody else. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, right, right, right. Um, tell them the right way and. Mm-hmm. And it, and it builds from there. Right? You're doing your job. And that that's, I mean, that's that's all you can do. Really quick, how could someone that is interested and that is moved by this conversation either support the foundation that you two have put together, support bringing it to like some facet or some inkling of it to their city, wink, wink, LA? <laughs> where, where can they connect with you two? Um, so our, our website is iamarete.com. That's i am then a-r-e-t-e.com so it's our website has all our like classes and stuff on there okay. same with our social media platform on instagram drop um, it in the show notes. phenomenal we're uh we don't know about we we might be taking this to other cities a curriculum mm-hmm. i don't know quite yet yeah. we're just trying to get it out we started it in september so this is not even a year this old yet. Oh, oh my gosh yeah this is great well, I mean, I'm glad that we're able to to shout you out yeah. so early. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We're, yeah, we're, I'm full support of what you and Nisi are doing for sure. Yeah. We have just a couple more questions to ask you. Two fun questions. Yeah, two fun questions. Exactly. <laughs> First one, if you had one song to describe your 2021 year, <laughs> what would it be and why? Dang, that's hard. <laughs> okay. Right off the top of my head, I, I'm gonna have to open my Spotify. I listen to this song all the time, um, and I think for me, 2021 was let's just build something from from nothing. Mm. Let's just make something happen. Something good will come out of it because you know, 2021 is like I I moved up here 2020. I got a job at a PT clinic that I don't think they're quite ready to expand with another therapist yet nothing negative to say. It's just, they weren't ready. And so I had to leave. Um, so I had to kind of find my way and we built this company. It's called, uh, the song is Believe in a Brighter Day by Kelly Say. S-A-E. S-A-E. Believe in a Brighter Day Believe in a Brighter Day. It's house Yeah. That's really relatable. Don't so we heard it. We were able to go to um, Amsterdam August last year. For a, a street dance festival and it was played during one of the competitions and I was like this track is dope <laughs> <laughs> all year yeah 
That's awesome. That's why. Yay! I love that. Thing. Yeah. We'll give it a little rotation mm-hmm. run on this <laughs> on this podcast episode. Yeah. And then our last question for you is, what does journey mean to you? In your own definition, your own words, there is no right or wrong answer. Journey. I love that band. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I have to throw the dad joke out there. I, I love it. We, we're here for it. We're here <laughs> for it. Um, journey. It's, it's kind of how I view life. There's no end point. Or the end point is when when you are physically gone, mm. right? That then maybe that's the end, the start of another journey. That comes with every pursuit, right? Like there's no end point to this dance. Okay, you keep training, you enter a competition, you win, great. Go back and train. You've done this thing, great. Go back and go back to why you love doing it, right? There's no end point. You see an end point, you're gonna either guess out trying to get there really quick or you're going to fall out of love with what you do mm. because it becomes about the end point and not about just the act you know right it's ongoing journey is ongoing mm-hmm. yeah. i love that yeah ah wow what a yeah, great conversation I know. this was a great good. conversation i feel good this was this was a great way to start saturday yeah. thank you oh my thank god you thank you for this conversation thank you thank you for what you're doing i'm i'm really moved by that my journey and my relationship to dance it has vo- evolved and it has changed from when i started as a kid middle school high school being on a collegiate team thinking I was going to do professional dancing afterwards to then redeveloping and rediscovering my love for it, for what it was Mm -hmm. and not necessarily with all the additional pressures and things attached to it. And I think that what you're doing is so key, so beautiful and so necessary. So people really understand the beauty of what dance really is. So thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. It was great. I love this conversation. (laughs) This is the stuff I love talking about, you know, Absolutely. All right, all. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that we talked about in this episode, you can DM us on Instagram at The Continua. Other than that, we'll catch you in the next episode. Yep. Peace. Thanks, guys. <laughs>